Hey, everybody, it's Bill Gibson with Huey Lewis in the News. You're listening to my weekly mixtape with Brian Colburn. And get ready, it's a great mixtape. I want a copy. Welcome to My Weekly Mixtape, a podcast that takes the classic mixtape approach to building a modern playlist. I'm your host, Brian Colburn. Growing up, my parents, I was blessed that they gave me a musical education through the artists and bands that they most resonated with, which for anyone who listens to this show knows that I'm talking about groups like The Cars, Billy Joel, Pat Benatar, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Styx, and the band whose drummer just so happens to be my guest curator for this evening. I am truly honored to welcome to the podcast Bill Gibson, drummer for Huey Lewis in the News. Bill, thank you so much for joining me on my weekly mixtape. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. I'd like to start by asking you the same question I ask all my guests. Bill, the word mixtape, does that have any meaning to you? Yeah, it, it reminds me of, um, well, the band, we, we used to make mixtapes back in the day. And my daughter, both my daughters actually used to make mixtapes to take to school. You know, they, they, you put together a cassette with all your favorite uh, tunes and that's what a mixtape is to me. Well, tonight we are going to be making a mixtape of the greatest songs from Huey Lewis in the news. Now to put that into perspective, in 2006, the band released a greatest hits album that has 21 tracks on it. So right there, there are more songs on the band's Greatest Hits compilation than we are going to be including tonight. How hard was it for you, Bill, to put together a list of tracks that you're looking to contribute to the discussion tonight? Pretty simple for me. Really? Oh, yeah. I think I know the ones that have to be on there. And then, like you say, there's certain personal favorites that should go on. So we'll hash it out. We'll see what goes on. I'm excited to do that because this is going to be coming from the fan perspective along with the artists themselves. So let's get down to business. Tonight, Bill and I will be curating the ultimate Huey Lewis in the News playlist, and we'll use the old cassette deck approach. Bill, as my special guest, will begin side A with his first song choice, and then I'll add a song that I feel best follows up his choice. We'll then flip-flop choosing songs until we've mapped out 10 songs for side A. We'll then give our mixtape a proverbial flip, and we'll map out side B, only this time I'll kick things off with Bill choosing second. Our overall goal for the episode is to craft the best Huey Lewis in the News playlist possible through only 20 songs. At the end of the show, you could take our conversation to the next level by visiting the episode page at myweeklymixtape.com, where you can give our final curation a listen via the embedded playlist. And if you like what you're hearing on the show, please consider becoming a Patreon mixtaper at patreon.com forward slash myweeklymixtape. And a few of the Patreon mixtapers chimed in with songs they feel should kick off the playlist, and I'd like to give a quick shout out to some of those. Patreon mixtaper Cactus Pete chimed in with a couple days off from Hard at Play, saying that album doesn't get the recognition it should, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. Patreon mixtaper Mally Hart chimed in with, while she doesn't know exactly what song she would start it off with, she would definitely end the mixtape with If This Is It. And Patreon mixtaper David Lee Smith chimed in with, I want a new drug. Elsewhere on the socials, people who follow me at My Weekly Mixtape on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Spoutable also had a lot to say on this topic, 
with a lot of the listeners chiming in with songs like The Heart of Rock and Roll, Hip to be Square, Working for a Living, Do You Believe in Love, Jacob's Ladder, and The Power of Love, with some nods coming in for awesome tracks like Some of My Lies Are True, Buzz, 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 Trouble in Paradise, We're Not Here for a Long Time, and many, many others. Thanks to everyone who chimed in on this. So, Bill, with that, I'm officially pressing the record button on our mixtape, and the floor is yours. Why don't you dive into which song you chose to kick off Side A? Oh, I didn't know I was going to have to choose number one on Side A. Yeah, opening things up. Well, I think we're going to have to go with Heart of Rock and Roll. It was the first song on our biggest album. It's pretty much quintessential HLN. I, I can't think of a better one that really just says Huey Lewis on the News than that one. Could not agree more. Seven times platinum. This song, the heartbeat that opens it up. Was that a kick drum that you did in the studio or was that actually a, a triggered sound effect at the opening of the song? No, that was a Lindrum kick drum that I played with my finger. Okay, awesome. There's just something about that opening that just grabs your attention and immediately pulls you into the song. When you guys were recording sports, you were coming off of an album that did reach number 13 on the charts, which was Picture This, but that album was not platinum, it was gold. So did you have any idea the heights that sports was about to reach? No, we we didn't. We knew we had a great album, and we had actually held it back from the record company because they were going through some internal struggles, and we held the masters back. But when they got their uh, business together, we gave them the masters and we, we knew it was a good record. We knew we had a lot of, and at the time, bands really need to have singles, hit singles in order to thrive in that environment at the time. So we knew we needed a, a hit. We had no idea we were going to get five hits off it. And we had no idea it was going to be as big as it was, but thank God it was. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. And following up the heart of rock and roll, I am a sucker for album opening tracks. And the albums that came out from the band between Picture This and Four, I rank pretty much equally across the board. Those three albums were literally the first 15 years of my life. Mm. And the songs on those albums resonate with me so much. And I'm going to follow up an opening track like The Heart of Rock and Roll with the next album in chronological order. And I'm going to go with the opening track from 4, F-O-R-E, and the Bruce Hornsby written Jacob's Ladder, which yep. I think coming out of The Heart of Rock and Roll, Jacob's Ladder was, I want to say, the heaviest rock song from that decade of music. Now, I know there were some songs that were faster and a little bit more punky from the first album in 1980, but Jacob's Ladder had this passionate hard rock sound to it that really set it apart from some of the other songs that went across Four, because Four really did weave in and out of a lot of musical styles that the band is known for. So I'm kind of curious, was there some sort of collaboration between the band and Bruce Hornsby working on that song? Well, we didn't we didn't work with Bruce on that song. Bruce actually wrote that song with his brother. Oh, okay. And, and of course, we'd known Bruce for a long time and and had played with him before. He'd opened up a bunch of our tours, actually, uh, the range, Bruce Hornsby and the range. Mm -hmm. And we were looking for material, and and he said, "Well, hey, here's I got this one," and we listened to it and said, "Sure." So we changed it up a little bit from his version, 
and uh, put the background harmonies on there. And uh, it was more rock than his version, clearly. What made you guys decide that that was the opening song for the album for? I don't know. I think Huey did. I think um, I think it just made sense. Huey pretty much sequenced that record. Fantastic. Well, the floor is now yours to follow up the Heart of Rock and Roll and Jacob's Ladder. Okay, so you got two runners on. You got to get them over to third base. So you need a, a good number three hitter. And let me look at... Um, I have a list of songs. Uh, and that's a, that's a, this is really a good question. So do you go with all the big ones right out of the gate? Maybe. Uh, let's see. So we got Hard Rock and Roll, Jacob's Ladder. Wow, man, this is, this is tough. There's so many songs, you know? I know. There's so many songs. Um, I'm going to go with Bad is Bad. Nice. What a great pick. Now, the last two times I saw the band was when the band was playing sports in its entirety. Uh And to me, hearing that song in sequence was amazing, hearing that album. And I love the little shtick that Huey did at the point of the end of the side where this is where the album would stop and flip it over. Yeah. Such an amazing tour and such an amazing album. To me, Bad is Bad was always as essential to the sports album as the five singles that were released. Was that song always a fan favorite? Yes. Yeah. 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 Everybody always loved that. Gave me a chance to come down off the drum set and um, come up front and would, you know, we'd do it during the acapella section of the set. And uh, that was always a big crowd favorite. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to follow a crowd favorite up, which one that might be This is a deep pick from the band for me in the four slot, but it has always been one of my top three favorite Huey Lewis in the News songs. I'm not sure if the band has ever played it live. I know it wasn't a single, but I would love to hear more about this song. So this is where the selfish part of me comes in, being a fan for 40 years and just loving this song so much. And it's from the album Picture This, and it's the second track on the album, Tell Me a Little Lie. Uh-huh. With the reggae vibe, the ska vibe that the song has, it really stands out because you guys don't really hit a lot more of that reggae and ska feel until you get to songs like Perfect World from Small World down the road. So I felt like this one was an outlier on the earlier albums, but was a different side of the band. Then you take that reggae sound and you layer in these amazing background vocals, which I know we're going to talk about tonight because that is part of what makes Huey Lewis in the news so special and so amazing. Was this a song that just never got the push from the label or the band to, to become a single? Cause I've always felt like it's just one of the strongest songs on the album. Wow. That I, I'm shocked. It wasn't a single. Yeah. Well, that's you're the first person I've ever heard like it so much. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. man. Oh no. I'm doing a disservice here. <laughs> no, no. That was a, a Chris Hayes wrote that song, I believe. And yeah, it was just kind of a filler tune. We 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 saw it as a filler tune. We wow. didn't we didn't see it as a single or anything like that. Wow! And for some reason, ever since I was a kid, I knew I my band has covered that song. I love that song so much. It's easily one of my top ones. Yeah, it's a I'm great. I'm blown song. away to hear that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Great song. Well, following that up, you're now up for track five. So I'm going to go heart and soul. Yes. Yes. 
I'm going to stick with sports. I'm all sports now, but I'm going to go heart and soul because um, we had two up-tempo tunes to start. Then we had Bad is Bad. Then we had Tell Me a Little Lie. Now we have, uh, we've got to kind of start ramping it back up. So we're going to throw in like a mid-tempo rocker. And I think Heart and Soul is perfect. And that was a Mike Chapman, Nikki Chin song that Exile had done, the band Exile. And also the Bus Boys, a band called the Bus Boys. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they pitched it to us. And we listened to the Exile thing and came up with our own take on it. And and it just fits, suited us really well. So that's why that one made it. And that's one of those songs where when I tell my friends who are casual music fans, but not music nerds like me, when I'm when I explain that this is a cover song. Yeah. And they go, no, it's not. And I'm like, no, really? And you play the Exile or Busboys version. They don't realize that the band really did take which was already a fantastic song, but you guys took it to another level, which was why it was the smash that it was. Yeah, I thought I thought so, too. I thought ours was definitely the best version of the three. Although I did really like Exile's version. Yeah, to me, that one's second to yours. And later on in our live performances, we kind of did the Exile. Exile had a little breakdown in their version. And we did that Exile breakdown live for a little while. Not long, but a little while. Yeah, it's great to mix it up when you're playing the live show. Get some different changes in the songs. Yeah. Well, I'm going to follow that up with one that I want to move up a couple of years. And I want to keep that little bit of a reggae vibe going. I mentioned the song when I was talking about Tell Me a Little Lie. Now, this one was a big hit for the band, and it's one where the horn section is really prominent in a time in music where horn sections were becoming less and less on modern radio. This was the late 80s, and I'm going to go off Small World and go with Perfect World, which was a staple of the band's live shows all the way through the last time I saw the band play. This song has always been to me an important part of the band's catalog because it's one of those songs where Huey Lewis and the News was big with sports and they had other hits and every time the band put out new music it always felt relevant no matter what the scene changes were happening what was on popular radio there was always a way that the band found a way to fit in and I feel like the way pop music was in the late 80s this song just seamlessly fit into top 40 radio. And I'm curious, was that something that the band went into working on albums thinking about, or was it more, we're just going to write what we feel as a group and how it plays out. It plays out. Well, um, our good friend, Alex call wrote that song. Uh, Alex was a member of the band Clover here in Marin County that Sean and Huey were, uh, were members of. And um, Alex wrote that song and pitched it to us, and we loved it. We we just thought, man, that's great. And we worked it up at rehearsal, and it just totally came together. We got the Tower of Power horns to play horns on it. So yeah. bingo, you know, it's going to sound big. And um, it, yeah, we just, we, we all loved it. We just thought it was great. And we actually opened that Small World Tour with Perfect World. An infectious soaring chorus, amazing Tower of Power horn section, and a live staple throughout the decades. I feel like it needs to be discussed on this list. Yeah. And now, Bill, I am turning it over to you for our next pick. So I think I'm going to go, where are we at? We have six now? We're on track seven. Track seven. Well, I got to stick with sports and go with new drug. Or does that come down more down the line? No, I'm going to hold off on New Drug. Okay. This is going to be a deep cut. 
for me. It's going to be Small World Part 2. Nice. Sticking with the same album. The Stan Getz sax solo with Tower of Power. And oh. it is just, we, I was there when Stan came in to do the track. And he he came in and he 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 listened to it. He he we we sent him a copy to listen to at home. So we already knew what he was gonna be playing over. And he came in and he did one pass and then he did another pass, and that was it. And that I think we took half of the first track or part of the first take and most of the second take, or vice versa. Can't remember exactly how that went, but we, I know we used most of one take and a small piece of the other take. And it was magic, man. I, I mean, it was just magic. And that's that's one of my favorite things we've ever done as a band. I was just going to say, to have a jazz legend of that level put his stamp on one of the band's songs, where jazz music and rock music really didn't fuse together a lot in pop music. I think of this, and I also think of when Itchdock Perlman played violin on Billy Joel's The Down Easter Alexa. It didn't happen often, but when it did, it made for big musical moments. And to me, this is definitely one of those. Oh, yeah. That's, that's uh, I, I think, in my opinion, or, or you know, for me and my career, that was a definite milestone of my career and a high point. Awesome. Well, I'm going to take your cue from, because you were thinking about sticking with sports, and I'm going to dive off of sports for one of my favorite songs from the band. And also something that we haven't talked about yet, the band's music videos, because that is where I I am the product, I guess, of an MTV generation. I grew up watching these videos, and this is how I spent a lot of my childhood just sitting glued to MTV all day back when MTV did play nothing but music videos. And I'm going to go with If This Is It. Yeah. yeah. I have to ask, that video, what was it like being buried in the sand... And then recording that because that is an iconic 80s video moment. Yeah. Well, it, w it was sweltering. And the makeup people, I just remember being in there for maybe an hour and a half or so. And the makeup people had to keep coming by and wiping the sweat off our faces because it was sweltering. Uh, we were, that, was, that was filmed on the Santa Cruz beach. And yeah, it was a hot day and we, we were pretty miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you sh you didn't show it in the music video, if that helps. No, the music videos were always a chore to do. It was a lot of hurry up and wait, and you know it was it was some of them were fun, some of them were not fun. That was more that was kind of a fun one, but it was it was hard work, and, and, and but we enjoyed it. We we were having fun, and the vibe from that song, growing up with my parents, who my dad also along with the rock music I listened to, he used to rebuild cars when I was growing up. So we would go to a lot of fifties car shows and I would listen to a lot of doo-wop music and a lot of the fifties and sixties golden oldies, if you want to call them that. And I always felt like the chorus to this song was almost an homage to that doo-wop sound with a modern twist. Is that a wrong way to interpret what you guys were going for on that song? No, no, I think that's pretty accurate. Uh, you know, Johnny Cola wrote the song. And actually, Johnny's influence for that song was Sly and the Family Stone. Oh, wow. Hot Fun in the Summertime. Okay. And it was a summertime song. He had played with Sly Stone, Johnny. And so his influence was Hot Fun in the Summertime. You know, the 12-8. The yeah. And he wrote it. And he, he actually wrote it as Who Rocked, Who Rolled. 
which I never understood. But that was his chorus. <laughs> who rock? Who rolled? So he changed it to what? What? What did we end up with? I can't remember. Who wop? Who who So it really was kind of a doo wop. And Johnny loves doo wop as as is evident in all his other vocal arrangements. So, yeah. But the real inspiration was Sly Stone on that song. Wow, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Hmm. See, this is the reason I do this show, is to find out little tidbits like that. Sure. <laughs> so now I'm tossing the mic back to you for track nine here. Last song for you on side A. Okay. I'm going to go with a very little-known track that's on our new album, Weather. It's called One of the Boys. And it was written by Johnny and James Hera and Huey for, they wrote it for Willie Nelson and pitched it to Willie Nelson. And we never heard back from it. And, and when we were getting ready to put that album together, I, I thought, so nobody's ever done One of the Boys. Huh? No, nobody's ever done that. I said, we need to do that. That is perfect for our band. It's the right lyric for Huey. It, it was perfect for our band. And actually, I was the one who got it, who got it so that we put it on the album. And I mean, now looking back on the career and that we can't tour anymore, it's very prescient. And, you know, and it's kind of bittersweet listening to it for me now, you know, playing with my friends till the music ends. One of the boys. So it's it's um, it's got a lot of meaning for me. And I think it has a lot of meaning for everybody else in the band. That's amazing. I love that song. And to me, I'm a big country fan as well. That something that I developed in the 90s and throughout becoming. And it was the last thing I expected to close the album out. And I was blown away by it because it was a side of the band that I'd never heard. Right. I've heard R&B stylings. I've heard doo-wop. I've heard rock. I've heard reggae. Right. Never did I hear a country, almost bluegrass Americana influence. Listening to that song, I said, wow, they could have did an entire country album and it would well, so yeah, work. Uh, uh, Honky Tonk Blues on sports. True, yes. But to this level, I feel like one of the boys was even more leaning into, like you said, it was written for Willie Nelson. So that old style. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right. So closing outside, a, I'm going to go with a chart topper, massive hit. One of the biggest songs of the band's career, because this is the only time I get to close out aside. So I want to do something with a little bit of a statement. And to me, as an 80s kid, I probably watched no movie more than Back to the Future growing up. And I'm going to go with The Power of Love to close sure. out the side. I was going to go with that for the start of the second side. But, uh, okay, so there you go. See, so we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're very close here. To me, this song is just 80s rock perfection. The keyboard, everything about it. I was shocked it never made... It did end up making copies of four on international editions, but it was mainly recorded for the soundtrack. And I know there was a lot of stuff going on with the band and soundtracks prior to The Power of Love because of the whole I Want a New Drug Ghostbusters situation. Was the band still concerned stepping into Back to the Future to give two songs after everything that had just went down in the years prior? Not at all. Not at all. Uh, you know, Ghostbusters was found to have been a copy of New Drug. Right. So it wasn't, we did nothing wrong. <laughs> we wrote a song that, that, you know, was pretty much stolen from us. <laughs> so um, we, we, you know, we knew this was, an, it was all original. It, 
I think Alex Call had a piece, wrote a little bit of that, and Johnny and Chris wrote Power Love. Huey wrote the words. And that was, I mean, I agree, it's pop perfection. It really is. Our biggest song, easily. And and just a great song with with great playing on it, and you know, Chris's guitar solo is fabulous, and just the whole vibe was was perfect. Absolutely love it, and that, folks, closes out side A of our ultimate Huey Lewis and the News mixtape, which kicked off with the heart of rock and roll from Sports, Jacob's Ladder from Four, Bad Is Bad from Sports, Tell Me a Little Lie from Picture This. Heart and Soul from Sports, Perfect World from Small World, and then Small World Part 2 from the same album. If This Is It from Sports, One of the Boys from Weather, and The Power of Love from the Back to the Future soundtrack. Be sure to visit MyWeeklyMixtape.com to hear all the songs we've discussed in this mix through the playlist embedded on the episode page. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Now, Bill, I'm a massive fan of cover songs, and I'd like to ask a question that I've been trying to figure out for the better part of a few decades now. On the duet soundtrack, Huey recorded the cover of Smokey Robinson's Cruisin' with Gwyneth Paltrow, and it became a massive hit. And it was featured on the band's 2006 Greatest Hits album, but credited to just 
Huey and Gwyneth Paltrow. Was that something that the news actually played on or was that a house band for the soundtrack? Uh, that had nothing to do with the news. Zero. No, no one in the news participated. Okay. That was some deal down in LA that, you know, they asked Huey to do and duet with Gwyneth. Got it. Got it. Well, one thing the band was never shy about was paying homage to the songs that influenced you guys musically as a band, such as the Four Chords and Several Years Ago album, yeah. which is an homage to 50s and 60s R&B, as well as 2010's Soulsville album, which is a tribute to the amazing Stack Records catalog. Right. With that said, what are some of your favorite covers that the band has recorded over the years, personally for you? Um, Function at the Junction, which was on Four Chords. Some kind of wonderful was great. It was kind of semi hit for us, mm -hmm. but it's all right. The J.J. Jackson tune. My, I, I, I there's a, there's a song. Um, there's a fast blues shuffle, and and I can't remember what what was the name of that song on four chords. It's a fat. It's right at the end. I think it might be the last song on the album. Are we talking about going down slow? Going down slow. Yeah, one. That's one of the best things we ever recorded, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, great. Chris plays his ass off on that, and and uh, it just it's a grooving track, man. I just love that. It really is. It's a fantastic one. And now yeah. that last question I asked you, I want to flip it sure. because a lot of bands have covered Huey Lewis in the new songs over the years, be it punk renditions like a Newfound Glory's cover of "The Power of Love," all the way to comedic parodies like Weird Al Yankovic's "I Want a New Duck." What does it mean to you? when other bands or artists either reimagine or cover songs from your catalog of songs? Well, uh, it's it, imitation is the greatest form of flattery, isn't it? Yeah. It's a compliment. It makes me feel proud that we did something that someone else would want to redo, you know? What was your thought the first time you heard, I want a new duck? Wasn't that I want a new truck or I, was it I want a new duck? I want a new duck, yes. <laughs> I, I don't know that I heard it much. I can't remember the words or anything like that. So I, I don't know. I, I guess I thought it was funny, but I thought, oh, here's some guy kind of grifting off of other people's hits because he used to do it so close to like he had Eat It like just a month or two after Beat It was a huge hit, you know? So, and so it was almost too close to the hit, you know? Got it. But, um, you know, funny, certainly funny. Especially for a kid at the time who was seven, eight years old, yeah. and my parents were huge Huey Lewis and the News fans. Yeah. Hearing that, I was like, "Hey, Dad, you got to check this out." <laughs> yeah, well, he was a—he's a very creative guy, Weird Al. Yeah, definitely. Well, now we are going to dive into side B, and I am going to kick things off, and I want to go back to start the side off because we used the heart of rock and roll and Jacob's Ladder as the first two songs on side A. And I'm trying to think of what songs would really kick off a side well. And I want to go all the way back to the beginning. to 1980s self-titled album. And I want to go with the opening track again. Some of My Lies Are True, Sooner or Later. Sure. To me, this song and this album as a whole, and I want to use quote marks in the air because I, I want to make sure I'm clear with this. I feel like this album has the most punkiest vibe using quote marks there's a definite rawness and an energy to it that certain songs on the album like don't ever tell me that you love me and who cares i hear a little bit of a punk vibe in that was yeah. that something that the band was going for on that album yeah oh well, yeah yeah of course it was our first album we were excited as hell to be in a studio and we played everything way too fast 
you know, <laughs> there was no, we didn't use any click tracks or metronomes or anything like that. We just launched into it and played it. And being a bunch of youngsters at the time, we just played everything way too fast. We might re-release that album, by the way. I would love to hear it re-released. We might remix it and re-release it and do some some things to it. So re- remix it. Well, now, now I have to dive in. I have to dig a little bit here. I'd be I wouldn't be doing my due diligence. Remix yeah. the album. Yeah, Johnny and I have been talking about remixing it. So um, that may may or may not happen. I, it'd be fun to do that. But yeah, it, everything was so fast, and, and you know, I had just come off when I joined the band. I'd been playing with the guys in a Monday Night Live band, which was a local Monday Night Live get together where we jammed and backed up people like, you know, Van Morrison, Boss Gags, Ricky Lee Jones, Tommy Johnston from the Doobies. You know, we'd back up all these star local stars who would come in. And we kind of through that, we started writing our own songs and demoing them up. And that's really how Huey Lewis and the News started to go. So we started writing those songs and we recorded them. And I I was playing with Jack Cassidy, the Jefferson Airplanes bass player in a band called SVT, which was a true punk band. And, you know, we that, we were punk all the way. And so there was a little bit of that flair coming into putting the news together. So that was there. That element was there. And I think it was just a matter of being really excited to be in a studio and just playing everything too damn fast. Well, it definitely worked because there's a certain yeah, there's energy energy to that album that I think that if you played the songs a little slower, you might have lost that because there was oh, this yeah. this angst and this energy that is just different than the rest of the albums in the catalog. Yes, I agree. So I'm glad we were able to talk about that, and now I'm passing it back to you to follow that up with track two on side B. Okay, so so you had uh, some of my lies. That, that's a great choice. That's one of Huey's favorite songs. I'm going to go with, so we only have nine left. Yeah. And so I'm going to go with one of my favorite tunes, R&B, another 12-8 shuffle. Hope you love me like you say you do. Nice. Off this album. Kind of a deep cut. It was a single, but, you know, like uh, the only single that really was big was the one that got our foot in the door, Do You Believe in Love, was, was the big single off Picture This. But um, Hope You Love Me was our friend Mike Duke from Alabama wrote that song. That was the day we met the Tower of Power Horns was when they came in. We asked them to come put a horn section on it. And they came down to the Ottoman in San Francisco. And that was the day we met all those guys. So that was a huge thrill for us. And it's just a great song. Mike Duke's a great songwriter, singer-songwriter. And that song is great. He wrote uh, Doing It All For My Baby, by the way. I was just going to say those two songs to me have a similar connection yeah. across two different albums. I always felt yeah. like if you played them back to back live, it would almost feel like it was a medley of, and they would work well together. Yeah, they, they could. Yeah, you could do that as a medley. So I'm going to go with Hope You Love Me. I am now, I'm afraid to do this because my last deep cut kind of fell flat. But I'm going to do it one more time because this was another song that really resonated with me as a child. And there was one song in the catalog that resonated with me because it told a story from start to finish. And I felt like the song could have been a movie in song form. And I'm staying on the picture of this album. I'm going to go with the song called The Only One. Uh-huh. 
this song I have loved since a child because one, the verses, it brings it down and you're just doing the kind of Tom groove and it really draws out the lyrics and the story that Huey's telling. And then obviously the third verse drops down to just voices yeah, and the acapella section. And then it picks back up really. This song to me was a motion picture, picture this, no pun intended, in a song. And I'm curious, was this song a true story that Huey was writing? Is this something that, that meant something? Because the passion in this song, you could just feel this song meant something. At least it came across that way on the record to me. You're very intuitive of you to think that because it's true. It is a true story. Really? It's about, yeah. It's about a guy from uh, our high school, our local high school in Mill Valley, who was just a stud. He was the guy that everybody looked up to, and he just kind of had a lot of issues and you know dropped out of school and kind of went downhill and augered in and eventually ran out onto the Highway 101 there in Mill Valley and got hit by a car and killed. And, you know, it was tragedy, but uh, it is, it's a true story. Yeah. Wow. And obviously that song was never released as a hit. I didn't get played a lot, but it always meant something to me because I felt like when I sat down to listen to that song, I can close my eyes and almost see it unfolding. And I didn't know any of these people. And to me, that's a sign of a fantastic storyteller. Yeah. And that's something that you don't talk about with Huey Lewis in the news, but this song is reason why you should. Yeah. Cool. I like that. So with that, Bill, I'll toss it back to you for a follow-up. Okay, I got to go new drug just because it's new drug. And, uh, and it, you know, the lyric is catchy as hell. The tune is catchy. It was There was really nothing that sounded anything like it at the time on the airwaves. And I just think that it's really quintessential Huey Lewis and the News it's at the, from that period of time. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, seeing sports live in its entirety made you realize how important albums were because this was hit after hit after hit after hit. And even the songs that weren't hits from that album, every single person in the audience was singing along to every single word as if every song on the album was a hit. And to me, that is something that lacks in modern music because I don't think artists are thinking of an album as a statement anymore. It's more no. singles driven. That's exactly right. And I loved hearing albums in their entirety as a kid, which is why I always on this show kind of go to deeper cuts because to me, if they're part of an album that has a hit song on it, to me, I've already heard the hit song the same amount of times as the deep cut. And that's sports for me. Yeah. That, that is literally what the album says to me that yeah. the, the, you could have released every single song on that album and it probably would have been successful at the time. The band was yeah, just I, on a wave. I, I agree. I agree. You get us, man. You get us. <laughs> That's my goal. <laughs> 40 years of listening. I'm glad it's paying off, man. <laughs> well, following it up, I am going to go with what to me is one of my favorite songs from the band, but over time has become one of the band's most I'm going to use the word infamous songs, not on any part of your own, but I am going to go with for track five hip to be square from the four album. I originally bought the 45 because it was the first single released from the album. I had the 45. I fell in love with it. The day four came out. I ended up getting it on vinyl. And years later, I was very lucky to find a Japanese edition of the CD 
with actually having the power of love in the track listing, which I thought was really wild. Wow. And Hip to Be Square was always one of my favorite songs from the band. But then in the early 2000s, a movie, American Psycho, made the song even more infamous for the band to the point where Huey did a spoof of the movie with Weird Al years later. I would love to know, one, going into the studio to follow up sports must have been a stressful time for the band because you are trying to follow up a seven times platinum album. And I feel like four does a fantastic job at that. I feel like musically the band kicked it up a notch wherever they could and needed to. And it's just as strong of an album as sports in my opinion, but this song, I'd love to hear the story behind it. And I'd also love to hear how the whole movie scenario unfolded. And if you guys were involved with that, or was that just studio and pencil pushers in the background, getting that to happen? Yeah, that's exactly what happened there. I, I we we were asked. I think they contacted Huey and asked if they could use the song, and Huey said, "Sure, why not?" But without really knowing what it was going to be, you know. And and then the movie came out, and it was pretty grisly scene that that yeah. that, that uh, songs played under. And um, and I wrote that song, by the way. You know, I I I wrote the music of that song. Huey wrote the words. He wrote the words originally in the third person. He used to be a renegade. He used to fool around. He wrote it in the third person. That made a lot of sense to us. Then he right at the last minute when we recorded it, he changed it to the first person. So a lot of people thought, oh God, these guys are square. You know, they're they want to be square or they're not hip. It's it's you know, nobody got it's a it's a joke. Mm -hmm. It's, It's a joke but that nobody got. And and it was literally the theme song of the Los Angeles Police Department for a while. It's hip to be square, you know? So n- clearly nobody got the joke. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's held up over the years. It's, we, we you know, till the end, we played it till the end. And it yeah. was a crowd, people loved it. And, you know, it's, who knows? I, I Even though it was, he, he's, and, and and actually, at the end, he changed the lyrics to too hip to be square. He would sing too hip to be square. So he went through incarnations. Well, from a drumming standpoint, because I've listened to that song probably more times than I could even count. At the end of the song, you, you know, you're doing the chorus on the on the hi-hat. And then it sounds like you go to like a halftime on the ride and you do these fills that are a little slower than the vibe of the song. And to yeah. me, that always stuck out to me in a positive way because it was musically jarring, but in a way where it brought your focus back to what was happening and it changed the groove just enough where something I haven't talked about enough tonight is how the band always played to the song. There was never anybody overplaying the song, but there were nuances in the music like that ending where you switch to the ride and it continued. That song could have went on for another three minutes as you were jamming on the ride, and that's where the song fades out. Yeah, was that just part of the the live performance catching you, or was that something you always did when you played it? How did that all come together? Well, I'm going to let you in on a nasty little secret here. That's a drum machine. That's not me playing. What? No, it, uh, it's a hybrid. It's a it's a drum machine, kick drum, and a drum machine snare drum. I went in and played the tom-toms, the hi-hat, and the cymbals. Wow. And right at the end, I had, I was behind my whole kit, and I was just, I was, you know, just 
and I just went, you know, it's, it's a hybrid. It's not me playing the whole kit. Wow. Now, was that like a production technique that they decided to do for the song to give it that modern quote unquote modern mid eighties sound? Yes. Wow. Yeah. I never knew that. uh, Bad as bad as a Lynn drum as well. Bad as bad as a drum machine that we used to wheel out on a wagon on stage live. A mm-hmm. uh, few others are drum machines too. A uh, new drug is a hybrid of me. Any song that we use a drum machine, except for bad is bad was a hybrid of me playing along with the machine. Wow. I, I knew that on bad is bad because the drums are a little bit more of that electronic yeah, sound. That's strictly pro. I program that. And, and yeah. And, and, and that has that eighties kind of synth, drum sound wind drum sound yeah yeah exactly it's, it's identifiable yeah and there's something about that that colored the song in a way that i don't know if you didn't have it it might change the entire vibe of the song it would it would i agree all right well we're up to track six now and i'm throwing it back to you okay um boy there's a couple of deep cuts that have been going through my mind but there's so many hits Way too, too many hits. Way too many hits. Let's go with. I'm going to have to go with another deep cut. And it's off the Small World album. And it's another one of your reggae jobs. It's Bobo Tempo. Nice. Which was cut entirely live. Really? Yes. The only overdubs were vocal overdubs, and we got all our friends to come down to the studio one night and sing all the backgrounds. It's a big, massive group background vocal. Yeah, yeah. That's all our friends and family and everybody who came into the studio, and we all did it that night. But but the track is all live, no dubs. And, and it's just got a feel to it that's fantastic, I think. I love it. And I think the production's great. The sound is great. Love that track. That's an absolutely amazing song. And I'm curious, I've mentioned reggae now three times between Tell Me a Little Lie, Perfect World, and now Bobo Tempo. Who was the catalyst for bringing that reggae sound into the band's fold? Like, was there a member that really kind of leaned into that more than everyone else? Uh, Yeah, I think Sean. Well, Bobo Tempo, Clover played Bobo Tempo. And um, I'm not sure if they did it the way we did it. I never heard them play it, but. Yeah, Sean came in and had that whole thing on his on his synthesizer. He had that whole riff going. And and so we riffed on that for a while and really had fun playing it and decided, hey, let's do a, just do it live and put it on as a as a filler track, you know? Then it we it, it just came out great. Well, one of the Patreon mixtapers that supports the show chimed in because I always ask our listeners what songs they would start off the tape with and he had his answers which were a couple days off power of love hip to be square and he said but there's only a certain number of songs and you gotta talk about some deep cuts and he literally ended with Bobo Tempo saying the majority might not be familiar with this but end of book like what a great song this is so Cactus Pete I want to give a shout out to him because yeah. That's somebody else had that one in their list as well. And that's awesome to hear you bring that up as well. Cactus Pete knows what he's talking about. He's got good musical taste. I love it. 
<laughs> so following that up, I'm going to do something that's a little bit of a curveball here, but it's something that I mentioned earlier in the episode, and I think we need to, to go back to this. Huey Lewis in the News is a band full of amazing singers, and the harmonies in the songs, to me, harmonies always take a good song and make it great. There are certain bands where you listen to the music and can you picture hearing these songs without the vocal harmonies? When I think of bands like the Eagles, Fleetwood Mac, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young and Huey Lewis in the news. Now you guys got to the point where you were able to just say, screw our instruments. Let's take a song that everybody knows by Curtis Mayfield as a funky R and B song and let's strip it down and sing it a cappella. And it became a hit on radio and in live shows. And I am going to follow it up with your cover of It's All Right from the People Get Ready, a tribute to Curtis Mayfield album. To me, this song was a gutsy cover because you are taking the music out of a song that is ingrained in people's musical DNA and you're changing it completely, flipping it on its ear and turning it into an acapella song. And it's so good. What was the thought process behind that? Because I really feel like if there were ever to have been a video for this song, you guys should have been standing underneath the streetlight on a Friday night, all in a semicircle (laughs) with people walking by, like almost like, you know, just it it has that vibe to it. But all the different like between the bass all the way up to the tenor, it's so perfectly done. I'd love to hear the story behind this cover. Well, we we started doing acapella to warm up before shows. And then uh, we would have parties back at our hotel after the gigs, get a bunch of people, and we'd end up in the bathroom singing all these old R&B tunes, you know? And uh, we'd, you know, we did Chain Gang and Amen. And w- that's really how we came upon the acapella deal. And Johnny started doing arrangements of different songs. And we decided, well, what the hell? We'll put a couple in our set and see what happens. And it Everybody loved it. So that just became a staple of of our live shows. And Johnny came up with the arrangement of that. And we did it. And we loved it because it's a great song, you know. So, I mean, that's just we love doing it. And that's the way we warmed up. Well, we've got three songs left, two of which are coming from you and one from me. So track eight, what do you got? Track eight, I think I'm going to go with, well, I know I'm going for my last track. If you don't go with it first, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with, boy, it might be another deep cut. No, I'm going to go with couple days off. Nice. I'm going to go with couple days off from hard to play. That is a great song that we almost missed, but we did. We got it just right. And, and um, yeah, it's it's a great song. Nothing wrong with that song. No, it's a tune, man. <laughs> it is awesome. And honestly, that just made my last pick even easier because I was flip flopping between because I didn't we didn't touch hard at play yet, and that is another fantastic album. And that song again, musically, the dynamics of music were shifting when this album came out. Yeah, I mean, we are talking. This album came out in. 1991 when nirvana hit. yeah nirvana pearl J- and yet a couple days off still was on top 40 radio and still 
sounded like it belonged there. I, yeah. I just, uh, the band was a musical chameleon yeah. being able to kind of find the vibe that fit that current style of music. And yeah. it's such a great tune. Yeah. Well, that makes my job easier because now I have only one song left and I'm going to go with the song that my parents introduced me to Huey Lewis in the news with. So to me, it's a nice little coda at the end of my contribution to this mixtape. And it is off of Picture This. And it was a song that was originally called We Both Believe in Love, recorded by the band Supercharge on their 1979 album Body Rhythm. When I found out that Robert Mutt Lang was the original person behind this song later in life it blew my mind i had no idea and when i went back and heard the original i'm going wow like i I had no idea this is another instance like heart and soul where the original was good but huey lewis and the news's version is untouchable it is the definitive version of this song and if it wasn't for this song i wouldn't be the fan of the band that i am today so thank you do you believe in love (laughs) uh well that you know mutt's been a friend of ours Mutt, mutt produced Clover's albums when they went the Clover went to England in 77 and Mutt produced their records over there. So the, Huey's known Mutt forever and there and when when we started our band we met Mutt immediately and we've been friends since you know 1979. So um we've always just kind of thrown ideas back and forth. He, he actually wrote what was the other one we did uh 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 off of Hard at Play. Uh, Are you talking about "Hit Me Like a Hammer"? Like a hammer. Mutt wrote that song, yeah. And Mutt's a great guy. We we all we we love him. And thank God for "Do You Believe in Love" that got our foot in the door with that one song. And I'm and I'll never forget where I was when I heard it for the first time, driving down through San Anselmo, California, in my little VW beat up VW Bug came on the radio and I had to pull over and I listened to it. And I went, "That's us. We're on the radio." Oh man, I, it was a big <laughs> deal. And that is the kind of song, like I mentioned earlier, if you take the harmonies out of that song, it's still a good song, but the harmonies make that version just amazing. Like I can't, it's got that doo-wop call and response, but it's still heavy. It's funky. It's everything I love about this band. It's kind of all of the, and without this hit, does the band go on to sports? Like to me, this is the catalyst. Probably not. I mean, we had one more shot after we had a three album deal with Chrysalis. And after picture this, we had one more shot and it was with sports. And who knows if sports would have been um, received the same way it had if we hadn't had a big hit off picture this. Yeah. Now, later in the years, the band reimagined the song for their live shows. Can you talk about the kind of the mindset behind that? Yeah, we we got tired of the bump, bump. Bam, 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 you know, the, the foreigner kind of deal, you know? Yes. And we were more into an R&B vibe at the time. So we thought, you know, let's, let's just slow it down a little bit. And you don't bounce, 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 which made sense. You know, it's, I don't know if it's any better or any worse, but it worked. You know, I think probably the original is a little better, but there you go. Now, did the band ever record that in a version of that in the studio, or was that only for live? Live, not in the studio. Okay. Well, Bill, we're 19 songs in. You got to kick things off at the beginning of the night, and you get the honor of closing us out for the night. So what song are we going to end with? It's a no-brainer. 
And it's the song that we closed every show with for the last 35 years, working for a living. Got to have that one. If you're, if you're making a Huey Lewis list, you got to have working for a living. Even the Foo Fighters like it. Everybody loves that song. My Bad covers that one as well. We have so much fun with it. That is, again, that still has a little bit of the punk flair yeah. from the first album. But yeah. it's more honed in to fit the Huey Lewis sound. Well, actually, that's more. that was more in the Dave Edmonds, Nick Lowe rock pile vein. You know, that was that's rock pile. That's Terry Williams on drums, you know, and and Nick and Dave, who, yeah. who are friends of ours as well. And, and, and uh, you know, we we but it's fast. It's up tempo. Boy, on that album, it's really fast. And this is something we didn't talk about at all tonight, which I almost feel like and I apologize to Huey for doing any disservice. His harmonica playing is amazing. And yeah. we haven't talked about it enough tonight because that's yet another layer where you guys have all of these talented musicians in the band, but being able to find a way to work between the harmonica solo, the guitar solo, the horn sections, depending on the song, and have it all flow so naturally shows that there's a musical conversation happening amongst the members of the band that cannot be defined outside of the core of the group because you guys, again, it always fit the song. When Huey came in with the harmonica, it fit. And when there was a sax solo, it fit. Or when there was guitar solos, it just all worked. And this was one where there was multiple solos in it. And it just really closed out every one of the band shows with that musical camaraderie and with that energy. And at the end of the day, this is pretty much, to me at least, a biographical song about the band. Because for the better part of four decades, this is what you've done. Yeah. To me, Huey Lewis and the News is a band that for four decades in my life has been that hardworking, take no prisoners band. You guys went out there and did exactly what you did. No matter what the challenges or music scene changes were, you went out there and you were Huey Lewis and the News. And at the end of the day, that is why I am such a big fan of this band and why this song is a perfect way to close out tonight's playlist. Yeah. Great. Well, there, folks, you have the end of Side B, which kicked off with Some of My Lies Are True sooner or later from their self-titled album. Hope you love me like you say you do from Picture This. The only one from Picture This. I Want a New Drug from Sports. Hip to Be Square from Four. Bobo Tempo from Small World. It's All Right from People Get Ready, a tribute to Curtis Mayfield. Couple Days Off from Hard at Play. Do You Believe in Love from Picture This. And working for a living from Picture This. You can always head to myweeklymixtape.com to hear all the songs we've discussed in this mix through the playlist embedded on the episode page. Now, Bill, being a big fan of the band, I'm always going back and forth looking for new songs to check out. And I noticed that there are some expanded deluxe editions of the band's album that are being released in Japan this year that have bonus tracks some of them, uh, the sports is two discs and has like 25 songs on it. Is that something that the band is behind and are they going to do something in the U.S. for that? News to me. Really? Oh, yeah. I had no idea that was happening. Wow. Yeah. Just goes to show you how much they uh, include the drummer in decisions. I was going to say, I would, I would figure this would be something where the band members would be privy to this information. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure I would have heard about it eventually. But uh, no, I did not know they were doing that. It sounds great. 
Yeah, I'm excited to get my hands on them. Unfortunately, they're they're overseas, so they're imports and they come at a premium. So I was hoping with the fact that the band is not touring, that maybe there would be a resurgence of re-releases of the albums to kind of keep that music in the discussion. Are there any plans with the band happening right now that obviously, given everything that happened with Huey's disease and everything, that touring really isn't possible, but is there any activity happening with the band? Yeah, touring is not possible, unfortunately. Uh, um, Huey's hearing is so bad, he just can't, he's, he can't even put on an album and he can't listen to music. Oh, and that God. is heartbreaking to me, man. You know, uh, we've had several long discussions, he and I, about how he gets through that, you know, because at the, at the beginning he was quite depressed and, uh, <laughs> but he's, he's managed to pull through it. And I mean, he, he grades his hearing on a scale of one to 10 every morning he gets up and he'll go, Oh, it's like a one at, or a two. And when it's a one or a two, he just can't hear some days it's as good as a six. So there's a possibility that the, we have not really looked into yet, but I think there's a possibility that on one of his good days, if we were to write some new music and it, the stars aligned and everything was perfect, he could possibly sing to a new track, which leaves open the possibility of more recording, which would be great. As far as shows go, we can't book shows because there's no telling what's going to, you know, he, and when he, when he wakes up and his hearing's a two, he says, any music sounds like a jet engine to him. Oh. It's just, you know, it's distortion, complete distortion. And so he can't hear pitch and he's just not, he can't, he just can't sing. So we're hoping that maybe Johnny and I are going to look into maybe, you know, doing some writing and, and, um, recording some new, new music and maybe on a one-off good day he has, we can grab him and see if he can sing it, you know? So that's a possibility where, like I said, we're looking at remixing, um, the first album and we're all, we also have three live shows that we're looking to remix and possibly release. So, um, yeah, there's things in the works. We got irons in the fire. I was going to say any new music from Huey Lewis in the news to me is a good day because as a decades long fan of the band, this is the music of my youth and the music of my life. So yeah. it has been an absolute honor to talk with you about these songs tonight. Bill Gibson, thank you so much for joining me on my weekly mixtape. Oh, well, thanks so much for having me. Remember, mixtapers, you can find My Weekly Mixtape on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Spoutable at My Weekly Mixtape. You can also head to MyWeeklyMixtape.com to check out the full catalog of My Weekly Mixtape episodes. If you want to support the show, please consider becoming a Patreon mixtaper at Patreon.com forward slash My Weekly Mixtape. That's all for this week. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, enjoy the tunes. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 